Welcome to Real Life, the program that talks about the life of real estate in the Hamptons and beyond. The people, the places, and the things that are the pulse and heartbeat of real estate with your host, broker associate of Sotheby's International Realty, John Christopher. Welcome back to Real Life, and this is your host, John Christopher, and today we're going out to Oregon, to the West Coast. Actually, we're going to be talking with one of the top producers in Bend, Oregon, Christy Evans. Hi, Christy. How are you today? Hello, I'm doing well. Thank you. How how about you? Oh, fantastic. I mean, it's beautiful weather here, so you you can't complain when it's nice outside. Is it nice out there? Yes, we've got clear skies, and the leaves are turning. There's red and orange, and oh, it's just beautiful. You know, it's ironic because I recently went up to uh, upstate New York to see the leaves and they just weren't as spectacular as they normally are. I don't know if it had to do with, you know, too much rain, too little rain. Is it out there pretty uh, fantastic? Oh, it's just stunning. It, between that and the views of the mountains, it just never, ever gets old. Right. OK. Speaking of um, uh, the mountains and what, did you grow up in Ben? I did. You did. So has Ben changed since when you were a little tyke? Oh, my gosh. Yes. In so many ways. When we first moved here, actually, I was 12 when we moved here. And the population was, I want to say, just under 17,000. And now it's about 120,000. Wow. That's -hmm. incredible. Mm -hmm. So there must be some great things about Ben. I mean, I know that that you have great skiing out there, right? What what does one do in the summertime, though? Oh my gosh, how much time do you have? Okay. <laughs> I'll cut you short when we run out of time. Okay. Bend attracts um, outdoor enthusiasts. Um, we have skiing in the winter, as you know, uh, cross country skiing. In the summer, we've got mountain biking, uh, kayaking. What else? Are there yeah. lakes uh, out there? We have a whole Cascade Lakes. There's camping, you can water ski. Oh. We've got tons and tons of trails that go around the lakes and you know through the Forest Service lands. So is it like uh, Jackson Hole in the summertime? A lot of people go there more so than they do in the wintertime. Um, is it similar to that where it, the summer is just you know, as lovely as it is in the wintertime if, if you're not a ski buff? Yeah, I think to some degree, but it seems like there's just, you know, always tourists here, people. And I always tell people when they call, we're just coming up to look at property. We're not ready to buy. And I say, okay, well, get ready to have your U-Haul. <laughs> because once, once fall in love. No kidding. That's a, that's a, that's great. In other words, once you, they, they get out there, the, the bug gets them and they, they say, this is where I want to be. Every time. Wow. That is f- phenomenal. Where are the people coming from, by the way? California, I would think. Yeah, California, lots of Bay Area people, some, you know, Southern California, but I'd say for the most part, Bay Area and Northern California. Oh, interesting. Now, how far is it? How far is it from, say, San Francisco? Is it like a a secondary market or has been also now becoming a primary market? I think in pre-COVID, it was a secondary market because um, there's a direct flight that goes from Redmond to San Francisco. And it's, I don't know, less than 45 minutes. It's super quick. 
Mm. People were buying properties up here and just kind of going back to the city to work. Mm. Since COVID hit, now people, as you know, can work from anywhere. And so people are coming here and this will be their primary residence. Hmm. um, Now, I know there were fires in California. Were you affected by any any of the fires? Yes. uh, Last year, of course, we had a terrible, terrible fire season all up and down the West Coast. But this year, we didn't have as many fires in Oregon directly. But, you know, anytime the the wind shifts, if it shifts in the wrong way, you know, then we get a little bit socked in with smoke. So this summer, we had a couple of days, not as many as the previous summer where you know, restaurants were closing because, you know, the, the air quality was hazardous for the employees. Um, events were canceled, but not nearly as bad as it was the previous summer. Oh, so it's a, it, it almost sounds like you, you get this in Florida. I know they have the red tide. So it's something that people just, you know, it comes, it goes, et cetera. Is that the similar, uh, would you say the same kind of aspect? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't a few years ago. I feel like the fire seasons have gotten worse over the last, I don't know, three years, maybe. So now people are just kind of, you know, they just almost expect it. Right. But then are they coming towards, you know, have you seen any fires in, you know, nearby Bend where, you know, you see these places that never had fires before in California. Uh, Like what was the last thing? The Sequoia uh, trees were affected by the last fire. Um, is there anything like that? No, you know, where I am, it's, you know, it's a high desert, it's heavily forested. So you would almost expect there to be something happening. And a lot of Oregon is that way. Um, there was little, little towns in Southern Oregon and actually in Western Oregon last year, last summer, mm-hmm. that completely, the whole town was just destroyed. It was so sad. Wow. Well, that is too bad. Um, What led you into real estate? Well, growing up, my dad was in real estate and my mom was an interior designer. So it's just kind of always been in my blood. So do you have any uh, interior design uh, uh, genes in your in your blood? I can pick things out, but don't ever ask me to put it together. (laughs) Now, do you offer advice like to... uh, to, uh, to sellers, I mean, having that aspect, a lot of times sellers will ask me, uh, what do you think I should do, you know, to make the house more presentable? Do you, um, what, what are some of the things you recommend to a seller? When, uh, First thing that comes to mind is decluttering. Right. Um, sometimes if there's like a loud paint color, I would recommend, you know, towing it down to a more neutral tone. Um, and oftentimes, you, know, you see a small space, such as the living room, and they've got this big, massive furniture in there. And so it makes the room seem so small. Right. I've seen that uh, number of times. It's like, yeah. <laughs> you have a small space, and why, why is it being occupied by this ginormous uh, sofa, right? Exactly. And people think, well, it's a nice house, but the living room is so small. No, it really isn't. So, uh, tell me, how was the, how's the market? How was the market, say, you know, uh, pre-COVID, uh, uh, 18 months ago as compared to today. What's your, what's your market like today? And what well, was it like before? Pre-pandemic, uh, the days on market was average of 110. And now we're looking at four. Four days. Four days. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
That's amazing. So when people go out, is it? Do you have biddings, uh, bidding uh, uh, wars, so to speak? Yes, we do. Uh, I'm, I feel like in the last maybe six or eight weeks, it's slowed down just a little bit. I mean, there was a time where one gal in our office had 35 offers on one property. 35. 35. And, you know, it wasn't unheard of to hear about 10 to 20 on one property. Hmm. Do they have, uh, where you are, do you have escalation clauses? Because uh, we don't have them here yet. You know, um, there's been some talk about that since a lot of people around the country, that's the uh, the new way. Uh, do you have that out there? Unfortunately, yes. No. I just Go find ahead. that to be a nuisance to tell you the truth. Oh, how so? Well, I just feel like if you're going to write an offer, write your highest and best to begin with, you know, and, and so it's almost like a game. You know, and so I've seen some where it's uh, every one hundred dollars. That's the increment. It's so what? silly. <laughs> Just write the best. And now, what I'm seeing um, quite often, actually, is in the listing, it will say no escalation clauses. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, you got to come in right when you make your offer. It's got to be your best and final. Just write it as clean and you know, again, like you said, highest and best. Right. Right. That's interesting. Um, So, but you're saying uh, your market there for buyers coming in there, how do you prepare them? I mean, okay. Somebody says, you know, I'm just out here looking. I happen to be in the area and bingo, all of a sudden they fall in love. Like you say, I mean, what kind of prep do you give to them, to these uh, new buyers? Well, I think it would depend on the situation. If there's a multiple offer situation, then I often recommend my buyers, you know, waive as many contingencies. I never recommend waiving the inspection contingency altogether, but you get the home inspection and then you agree not to ask for any repairs of the seller. Right. Right. Releasing earnest money after the inspection contingency period is over. Um, In a multiple offer situation, I just had one where there was only one other offer. Um, And so we got the inspection and they could ask for repairs. It just is, you know, situation by situation. Well, you know, it's interesting. I have um, attorneys now saying they just want to put into the contract as is. So even though you do the inspection, um, they're saying, yeah, okay, fine. You found some some problem. Unless it's something that's structurally um, involved, they don't... um, you know, that's, you know, if they find, okay, a window is leaky, you know, or whatever the case may be. Um, that's, that's something for the buyer to take care of, not something for the seller. Correct. I feel like buyers or excuse me, sellers don't want to be nitpicked and they don't have to be really, they can have whatever they want in this kind of a market. Mm-hmm. Um, the as is I'm starting to see that more and more. Um, but to be honest with you, when I see a property be sold as is, it makes me raise an eyebrow. Hmm. You know, I guess I've never thought of it as, you know, they just are saying it right up front that they don't want to do repairs. When I see that, what I think is, what's going on? Right, right. Is the roof caving in? Is it riddled with mold? <laughs> Why do they want to sell it as is? Interesting. Okay. And I think at least the buyers that I work with, Mm-hmm. They feel the same. It makes them question what's right. really going on, you know, behind the scenes, if you will. Exactly. Exactly. So um, 
what kind of advice uh, do you tell sellers putting their house on the market? Okay, somebody says, hey, Christy, I want to put my list my house with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you, what kind of advice do you give to them? Well, the first thing I would say is, you know, I would prefer to price it a little bit under market value in this kind of a market and just let the market speak for itself. Instead of um, finding, if you try to be too aggressive with your price, it sits. And if there's something on the market for longer than 10 days, people start to wonder what's wrong with it. It's it's old hat. At that point, it's old hat at 10 days. Fail at 10 days. I had one client who said, what's wrong with this property? It's been on the market for 13 days. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But you know, you do a price reduction. And then when you buy or see price reductions, they think, oh, this seller might be desperate. So I find that oftentimes you end up with an offer lower than what you've just reduced it to because people feel like they can. Right. Right. Whereas if you price it correctly to begin with, then you're going to get more of those bidding wars and you're going to likely go over your asking price. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, did you have any mentors along the way? And did they give you any advice that you remember that you still use to this day? Oh, boy. Now you caught me off guard. Um, <laughs> okay. I, I know. I just was curious. Uh, you know, um, you know, because we all have mentors that we uh, go through in life, you know, like there's certain things like uh, a mentor will say something and it sticks with you and you, you know, like simple thing, you know, I remember I had one guy, uh, well, we're running out of time. I can't tell you what he said to me. So, <laughs> so this will have to have you back again. And I could tell you the, the rest of the story, but in the meantime, tell us uh, how can someone get in touch with you? They can get in touch with me by either you know, phone call, text, or email. My phone number is area code 541-480-3323. And the email is christy.evans at cascade, S-I-R. So that's C-H-R-I-S-T-Y dot E-V-A-N-S. Great. Christy Evans, it's been a pleasure having you on the program. This is John Christopher for Real Life Broadcasting here in the lovely village of Southampton, New York on the only NPR station on Long Island. Stay tuned because we'll be right back after the short break with my next guest. Welcome back to Real Life. And today I have one of the top producers for Element, Martha Gunderson. Hi, Martha. How are you today? Hi, John. Very well. Thank you. <laughs> Great. I know we had a little uh, bit of uh, technical difficulties, but we've, uh, you know, surpassed that. So that's great. So let's, um, before we talk about real estate, I've, I've got to ask you, you know, um, mm-hmm. where were you born? Oh, my goodness. I was born in Beverly, Massachusetts, 100 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> you look good for 100. I mean, <laughs> thank you. I try my best. <laughs> You, it's not the makeup either. It's just natural beauty, right? Just when you're a hundred, yeah. you still look great. Okay. Exactly. It's anyway, every day. Every day right? <laughs> I think that's what I'm going to start using now. When people ask me my age, a hundred. <laughs> oh, really? You look good. Thank you. Exactly. You can't look any worse. Right. <laughs> okay. So let me ask you, how did you get from Beverly? Okay. Uh, you know, give us a brief history. How did you get there to the Hamptons? Well, I'll tell you, you know, the Hamptons reminds me the most of like New England uh, slash 
farmland slash uh, expensive estate areas and um, the 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 history here was attractive to me and but it's so much nicer than where I grew up in some ways because you have all the amenities you have the sophistication of New York you have culture you have the beautiful open sky you have the ocean and the bay connected very very closely um, you really have it all so I I got here and I said I'm going to make it work I'm just going to do whatever it takes to stay here buy a house and you know after a hundred years, it worked. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we need is time, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Forget the money part. We need time. Yeah, exactly. Here, here we are. <laughs> here we are. Okay. It's a beautiful place. <laughs> this is it, and it certainly is. Um, so the summer season's done. So let me ask you, yeah. did you notice any difference in the rental market this year as compared to last? Yeah, I think the last year was like, you know, rented sight unseen, right? And, oh, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, we're just coming out where we need to get out of the city. And, you know, it's a life or death situation, literally. And, um, you know, they were happy, execute, get it done. No questions asked. We'll figure it out later. Uh, this year, a lot of people have bought houses, so they don't need to rent. And uh, there are a lot of people that have gone back to the city, um, you know, to work, uh, to school, to normal life. So yes, it's, it's, there's a lot more uh, to choose from and there's a lot less people that are desperately in need of um, housing, full-time housing, particularly. Um, I'd say there's more, uh, there's much less need for year round on, on the higher end, on the mm -hmm. lower end, there's always a need, right? You know, right. cause we Absolutely. don't have any housing for workers. Yeah, that's it's true. I know they're they're talking about uh, maybe getting affordable housing, but we'll see when mm -hmm. that comes about. Um, yeah, <laughs> now, let me, true. Now, did you have any uh, rental problems with the uh, the the rental law that was just recently changed? Like, for example, you must have had some rentals that were above two hundred fifty thousand and more, and yes. you could only collect one month's rent. How did you deal with that, or how did your your uh, clients deal with that? Well, I think they dealt with it because they had to, but we as brokers, you know, we always take the legal part out and have uh, lawyers draft our, our, our rental um, leases because, you know, we don't practice law. However, uh, you know, I have have had some wonderful tenants. I don't do a tremendous amount of um Leases, like a lot of brokers do, I focus on mostly sales, but the people that I've rented to and the landlords that I've, um, you know, dealt with has been very smooth and they've just accepted the fact that they can't get more, you know, a month ahead of time. Oftentimes, if it's a year round, they'll put the utilities in their own um, name to avoid, you know, uh, the landlord collecting or uh, paying um, utilities uh, their own because you can only collect a certain amount of money up front right. for that. Interesting. Um, you deal a lot with uh, builders and developers. Has there been mm -hmm. any uh, reluctance on their part to start new projects because of the uh, supply chain snafus? Um, I don't think there's been reluctance. Uh, I think there's a reluctance to pay, uh, you know, these crazy numbers in, in order to get in. Um, I think there's just really nothing to buy that makes sense and to uh, make a profit. And with the supply chain, yes, that's a that's a good point. 
a lot of people, uh, it's taking what normally would take, say, a year to build is taking a year and a half to two years because of the interruption of the ability to get refrigerators or to get wood or to get, you know, help, yeah. frankly. Yeah, so true. Um, so what difference do you see in the sales market now as compared to a year ago? Well, you see, you see uh, there's still uh, demand, but not quite like it was before. First of all, a lot of people have bought. Uh, there's a lot of, um, we're back to generational selling now. People have decided, you know, it's, it's, there's a cycle of, um, you know, as you know, selling real estate is not always a fun thing to do because people love their homes. Not everybody is like, oh, yeah, I can't wait to sell my home. Um, but, you know, there's, there's, there's probably a lot less demand now. But the demand that's here that we have is serious demand. And they're looking more, they'll look more, they'll, they'll take their time now to look and search and find rather than before the execution was much, much shorter lead time. You would take them out two or three times or even one time. They would pick a house, put an offer in, be in contract right away. Right now, um, there are people that are out there looking, but they're willing to take their time. They're not in, in such a hurry. Well, you know, it's kind of interesting because um, I've spoken to other agents and uh, they've they brought up the fact that uh, uh, you know, you have to, as a buyer, have to be prepared prepared to um, put your bid in and possibly even go above the ask, asking price. Has that happened to you? Yes. I mean, there's there's been a few instances where the asking price, um, you know, there's been a lot of bidding wars, like you said, as they say. So um, yeah. that's, that's still happening, particularly if something is priced uh, really well. Um, and also in the one to $3 million range, I've heard that, that that's basically where people can afford, you know, I mean, even my son's looking for a house and, you know, up to let's say $2 million. It just can't find anything. That's inventory. Okay. Yeah. 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 There's no inventory. And, you know, with the low interest rates, it's, it's a smart thing to do. However, um, the, the product doesn't really exist. And even if you can find something for a million dollars or even, can you imagine a million dollars, you can't find much. Um, you, you know, there's supposedly uh, like eight to 10 people with backup offers on something, let's say a million or under in a place that's halfway decent um, to live out here. So the product is just doesn't exist. Yeah, it's so true. You know, in other parts of the country now they have, um, I've spoken to some agents there and they've said that they uh, employ uh, these escalation clauses. In other words, uh, they'll put the bid in, the buyer will put a bid in, but then they put an escalation saying, um, we'll, if somebody else comes in and outbids us, we'll go up X amount of dollars and they'll put a cap on it. Have you run into that yet? Or do you think well, that's no. going to be happening? No, I don't think so. Because usually what happens um, to be fair uh, that's interesting. No, I haven't heard that. But to be fair, what we usually do is go into a sealed bid. If if it's escalated too much, a lot of times there's a risk to the seller if you put in that clause because ultimately people can get pretty annoyed with with the seller and just everyone you have you risk the you risk losing everybody because no, you know, you the, can, it's not the seller putting the escalation clause; it's the buyer. Uh, yes, having saying okay. 
I will, somebody comes in, we'll just use round numbers, say $2 million. If it goes above 2 million and it goes to 220, okay, that's the max, but I'll do it in a increment of 10%. So, or not even 10%, say 1%, but the, to not be outbid, interesting. Out, outbid by somebody else. Yeah, I don't know how you do that, frankly. I, I have not experienced that. Okay. And uh, okay. it's interesting, though. <laughs> I, I, it's the kind of thing that I was thinking that might happen, you know, because it's just yeah. like, uh, like, for example, out um, in um, the West Coast with, uh, say, uh, San Francisco or the Silicon Valley area, you were talking about houses being, uh, you know, at, at at a million dollars, not finding anything. And, and they have starter homes out there now at uh, $3 million. When I say starter, you know, basically fixer uppers mm-hmm. and, and what, and they'll have eight people ready to bid on that. And so wow. they, this is why they have this, this clause saying, okay, I'll go up X amount of dollars and that's it. But anyway, so that's for new construction. No, no, no. It's actually on, on oh, just, her. um, um, you know, housing that's there, you know, as I said, like a starter home, you know, basically uh, something that used to be, um, you know, we still have them, but now we're in the, anything, like you say, under a million, it's, it's difficult to find, you know, that. Uh, I see. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I think people tend to overprice their homes a little bit out here when they, when they find out that the market is really, really hot. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, you know, more often than not, if you have a house that's priced correctly, and you have um, a bidding war, a proper agent or an experienced agent can handle that escalation without a clause in it. Right. So, you know, it's more the skill of the agent than it is like the clause itself. So I have not actually heard of that. So I'm mm. sorry. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows if it will hear it yet, you know, so yeah. anyway, time will tell. Yes. Um, so, <laughs> so do you think the market's going to continue on its uh, this trajectory? Uh, of uh, going into the winter, you know, with the, the houses again, you know, low inventory and rising prices. What do you, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that they, I think it will continue if the interest rates stay low and the economy keeps like, um, you know, plugging along. And then there is the, a little bit of a more of a year round or work from home here. So it's kind of a reverse commute now. There are a lot of people that have um, learned to appreciate it out here, um, even in the off season, particularly in the off season. So this last month has been wonderful. And a lot of the people you know, they'll go into the city um, two to three days instead of coming out here two to three days and they'll work from home um, part of that time. So they still have a five day week, but um, they're out here working half of that time. So I think if that continues and and I think that the technology developed um, during the pandemic has allowed for that. And I think people really love it. Well, there's more people uh, working from home though too, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's what I mean. If they can work from home out here, um, half of that um, time and then half of the time in the city for meetings or whatever it is that makes it necessary to be there in person, there's a bit of a reverse um, where they spend less time in the city than out here, but they're still working out here. Right. If someone had some more questions for you, how could they uh, get in touch with you? Um, my, my cell number is 631-405-8436, or my email is martha.gunderson, with an E-N, at element.com. Great. Martha, it's always a pleasure having you on the program. 
Uh, you're just a wealth of knowledge and, and, Same here. And, <laughs> and you're fantastic. This is John Christopher for Real Life, broadcasting here in the wonderful village of Southampton, New York, on the only NPR station on Long Island, WLIW 88.3 FM. If you'd like to hear this program again or any other podcast, go to WLIW.org forward slash radio to listen. Speaking of listening, thank you again for your time and be sure to have a safe journey. You have been listening to Real Life, the program that talks about the people, the places, and the things that are the pulse and heartbeat of real estate in the Hamptons and beyond with host John Christopher, who also created the music for Real Life. WLIWFM's Delaney Hafner and Kyle Lynch provide production support. Thank you for joining us for Real Life right here on listener-supported 88.3 WLIWFM, Long Island's only NPR station, which you can also find on your favorite streaming apps and at WLIW.org radio.